while Channel Sight has just secured $7 million in debt financing and the digital shelf analytics service is eyeing significant growth over the coming years. John Beckett, a co-founder of Channel Sight, joins us now to discuss how his company is enabling businesses to measure the effectiveness of their marketing campaigns across all online channels. John, before we discuss Channel Sight, it's noteworthy that while you were still at school, you built a website for Ryanair. How did that opportunity come about? I did. Um, that's now back in 2000, you know, over 20 years ago. But uh, I did. That was as a result of a, a fourth-year company that I set up uh, to build websites. And uh, I ultimately um, knew one of the directors through a, through a part-time job I had working in an old computer company called Gateway 2000, which is, is long gone. And um, he remembered that I was doing this kind of work and they got... Uh, lots of quotes from large agencies to do the work and they were they were pretty high and uh, he asked me to come in and meet the team to to see if I could quote to do the work and my quote was um, significantly lower as you might imagine and uh, they, <laughs> they decided to take a shot on me. And what did you learn from that experience and did it provide you with clarity about the career path that you might pursue? Yeah well I decided and that I didn't want to go to, to university to college and I wanted to use the opportunity that I had to build a business and to, to try my luck. So I, I did the leaving cert and uh, so I had the option uh, of going back to college, but I decided to, to to run the business and just see how much I could learn. I, I had the idea that if I was going to make a massive failure of this, better to do it when I was young. Um, but also if it was going to be a success, you know, uh, that there, there was no better time to, to grasp that opportunity that I had at the time. And in the years prior to Channel Size, where had your career taken you? So I, uh, I've i worked in the tech sector for my whole career and running, running my own business. So that business where we built the Ryanair site, it's a company called Airtight um, and, and that still runs today. I don't run it myself, but that, that's still operating, operating now. So Channel Sight was actually a spin-off from Airtight Technology. So um, that was uh, the ultimately where, where it kind of started was as a spin-off. And uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with any startup. So we, uh, we tried to minimize the uncertainty with that startup by, um, by building the technology in-house and, you know, as a, as a kind of a side project with Airtight until we got some clients and validated that it works. And in 2013, of course, you co-founded Channel Site with Niall O'Gorman. But what inspired you to actually start that business? Well, I've known Niall again to go back to 2000. I've known Niall since my gateway days and when we worked together there. And he approached me with an idea for a product. And it was our where to buy technology, this button that people press to, to find a supplier where they can buy the product that they're interested in. Uh, based on the content that they're looking at. And um, so I was obviously running this technology business, this software business, so we decided to um, to partner and build a prototype of the, the Where to Buy service um, using his experience in, in, and his background in, in other companies to, uh, to guide us as to, as to what the initial prototype should do. So how has Channel Site evolved from its original premise and how would you describe its current service offering today? Well, what we do is we work with primarily large international brands to help them understand whether or not their marketing is working or not and, and how to optimize their performance. So we have a, a where to buy service, which kind of is, is directly related to what it was in 2013, um, where we enable brands to put this where to buy, this call to action button on all of their digital content. So that could be social media or video or their website or any other digital content that they have. 
so that when a user is looking at that content and they decide that they want to buy the products that they're looking at, we give them a fast, frictionless way where they can find that product in a retailer that's local or relevant to them, be that online or offline. Um, but what we've done is we've built a retailer network of thousands of retailers. So we're able to get data back about whether or not an individual lead that, that goes over to a retailer from some of this content has, has resulted in a sale. So that means we have really uniquely compelling data about what um, trends are, are happening with a brand content and what's driving sales and most importantly, what isn't. Talk to us about how the software actually works, because in today's world, many businesses feel that they have access to that type of data through the likes of Google Analytics. Yeah, so, so what they, what, if you have a, um, as a brand, if you have a website and you're selling D2C, which is direct to consumer, if you run a, a Google ad and you uh, have Google Analytics enabled, you can see everybody who's clicked on that ad and gone through to your website and made a purchase. So you have complete visibility over that buying funnel or that path to purchase. What we do is we extend that same visibility into the channel. So brands don't have visibility if they're running uh, uh, on their own website or on an ad or other content on social media or wherever. They don't have visibility uh, whether somebody clicks on an ad and then goes over to Amazon or Curry's or DID or wherever and makes a purchase they don't know whether that, that purchase or that click resulted in a sale. So what we're doing is we're giving access to help them optimize this digital shelf, this online shelf or digital shelf, by showing them what is working to drive sales in the channels. And how would you describe the target market for channel size? And talk to us about some of the companies that you now call clients. Yeah, sure. So we, we have a very sticky service because once brands start using us, they, they tend to want to stay and because of the kind of unique data that we can provide. So our first three clients back in 2014 were Philips, Bosch, Siemens, you know, the Mondelez. We're, we're, we're now, we've expanded, we're working about 70 countries now. Um, we have about 280 odd brands that we're working with. Um, so we, we've, uh, we're working with Intel, Microsoft, you know, Kerry Group here in Ireland. So there's, there's, um, there's a lot of brands, most of them internationally. And what impact has it had on these clients and how are they running more effective marketing campaigns as a result? Well, what we're enabling them to do is really see whether a marketing campaign or right down to an individual piece of content is working to drive sales. So some brands are, are more focused on, on brand building campaigns, and that's absolutely fine. We've got kind of a shoppable media product for, for them. But uh, at the most basic level, what we're looking to do is take um, content that a brand is, is pushing out, be it ads or anything else, and show them if it's working to drive sales. So we're enabling them to basically turn off ads and content creation that isn't working to drive sales and ramp up investments in the content and the ads that are working to drive sales. But then we also expand that into what I talked about a second ago, which was this digital shelf. So if a brand's ranking for search placement for particular products or particularly their what we call hero products or their main or most important products is low, on a, on a particular retailer, then we can help them understand why that is. Because if they're on page 37 of the search results on a retailer for a, for a generic term like crisps or chocolate, um, you know, then, then you can assume that that placement isn't going to be driving a lot of sales. So it's about us helping them to holistically understand what they need to do um, across their digital shelf to, to maximise the, the return on investment that they get. And what range of channels are you in a position to provide this data for? Any, any digital channel. So it's really, we're, we're completely agnostic about where the clicks happen. 
so we we can attach our our our, our, AP, our content or our widget via any number of different ways to any digital content that a brand is pushing out um, and uh, and that means that we have the flexibility to track campaigns across any channel really any digital channel and John what is the current focus of your research and development budget so we're continuing to, to invest very heavily in digital shelf technology and advancing the, the capabilities that we're able to offer the different brands that we're working with on that digital shelf so I talked about um, already some of the things that we've done, we're also layering in competitive analysis to enable brands to understand where their competitors are sitting um, in, for, the, for the same kind of search terms or with ratings, reviews, with, with, with other, other elements of the digital shelf where their competitors are, are stacking up versus them. And again, while that, that might not be relevant for every product, if a brand has 200,000 products or SKUs, um, it is very relevant in, if for these hero products or for, for the most important products that a brand is, is pushing out there. They're very interested to understand where their competition is as well. So, so it's about investing in, in continuing to, to advance um, our, our, our strategic advantage um, by, by, by investing in that digital shelf capability further. And of course, as part of your service offering, you have insight into phenomenal data from some of the world's leading brands. So what are the emerging trends that you're seeing that might be of benefit to Irish retailers listening this morning? There's a lot happening at the moment, obviously, in the macroeconomic situation, whether it's, it's inflation or, or supply chain um, issues that, that are underlying it. There's, there's an awful lot going on. What we've seen at the moment, one of the key trends that we're seeing is... Um, is, is an abundance of stock. So storage is very short in very short supply. We're seeing brands um, who have been stockpiling as a result of previous supply chain challenges. They now have a glut of stock and they're trying to get that to market in a way that doesn't flood the market and negatively impact price. So, so what we're seeing now is an ability for retailers to potentially negotiate better um, better discounts for for, for for their purchases, for their stock purchases. We're also, I, I expect to see a, a much more um, spread out um, holiday season this year um, across, you know, across Europe and, and, and all of the West, across the US, etc. Um, you, so what, you, what that will lead to is not just like the Black Friday heavily discounted uh, days, but you'll have um, discounted uh, purchases over a longer period of time, longer running sales as brands try to um, facilitate a squeezed consumer to make those purchases that, the, that, they, that they may want to make or be compelled to make coming up to Christmas but may not have the budget to do so as their as finances under pressure. And what insights can you provide with regard to your own clients when it comes to marketing, their marketing activity, how that's changing, and especially in relation to some of the channels that they're putting an increased budget into? Well, I think really since the pandemic, uh, you know, that, that uh, so much has changed as brands were initially forced to go on, and online um, almost exclusively in some cases, so where you had... A complete shutdown. Uh, you had brands being forced to 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 you know use online as their uh, their main channel to market. Uh, where, whereas previously it might have accounted for for ten percent, it was it was up to fifty or sixty percent. And so we had we had kind of um, you know five to ten years of of growth in the e-commerce market in uh, and particularly in how brands think about the strategic value of uh, their their online go to market um, channel. And so what we've seen now is a continuation of that beyond the pandemic. So brands are continuing to invest strategically in, in their online go-to-market. 
And, and I don't expect that to slow down. In fact, I, I expect that to accelerate further. And from your insights into your own client base again, what online channels are performing best for them? So um, we've, what we've seen is direct-to-consumer um, for, by, by brands actually falling away a little bit, that that hasn't um, been maintained as, as much as, as many expected it to be. Uh, and, and the retailer channel as uh, you know, continuing to, to show its dominance. So key retailers like Amazon and, and Walmart in the U.S., they are, they are continuing to experience significant growth um, and putting smaller retailers under pressure. So smaller retailers need to, need to compete um, better, but there is the willingness of people to spend there. People are used to buying things online and are willing to do so for, for a much broader range of things than they may have been willing to do so maybe just three years ago. And John, is there a risk that some of these retailers become over-reliant on some of these platforms like Amazon and eBay and Etsy and others? Well, absolutely. I think, I think particularly for the likes of Amazon, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos quote, um, you know, your, your margin is my opportunity, you know, is, is, is kind of chilling for, for, um, for many to hear. Um, if you look at the likes of batteries as one particular example, so you had the major battery companies like Duracell and EverReady using Amazon as a main channel to market. And then they were completely disrupted when Amazon came out with their Amazon Basics batteries and, and, uh, and recommended these. So if, if you search for Duracell, you see ads for, for much cheaper Amazon Basics batteries. So, yes, brands have to be extremely careful how much uh, they, they kind of put their eggs in one basket and, um, and make sure to be spreading that risk. So that's why I would always recommend a direct-to-consumer channel, even if it's non-strategic or only a minor part of it, have that direct-to-consumer channel where you're selling to customers, you're getting that feedback even if it's only a small amount, you can you can touch that customer and, and see directly what they think, um, and and then again spread out your risk as much as possible. Sell across multiple platforms, and provide an excellent experience for customers. Don't treat it as a kind of an afterthought, um, and sell on on as many channels and as many large retailers as you can. And just on that point, something else that comes to mind to me now in relation to you know purchasing online, there's a very, very smooth process, usually up to the point of making the purchase. But after that, if something goes wrong, it's quite often very difficult to get in touch with these online retailers. Most of them don't have any phone number published. Lots of them have no email address. And maybe you're dealing with an artificial intelligence-driven web chat facility on their website. What are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on the retailer. I mean, retailers like like Amazon have have a, a what I would describe as best of best in class, you know, feedback for for after purchase experience. And um, they're quick to refund. They they sort out disputes very very quickly, and um, and usually in the in the consumer's favour. And um, smaller retailers and and we've seen it in in Ireland. You know, smaller retailers sometimes struggle to to provide the level of service that would be expected, and particularly where there's a dispute over shipping costs or, you know, whether the the colour was was the wrong colour or was it or was it just how it looked on the screen. You know, there's these kind of grey area, who's to blame kind of kind of questions. My, my advice to to brands would be always try and give the consumer the best possible experience have them have them going wow uh, rather than rather than kind of whinging about about your brand because in the long run while this may be a, a particular you know a sale that that you don't make money on um, you know this is this is how you build a brand and uh, online and how you go to market you have to offer you know track shipping very high quality shipping um, you know, short term, uh, you know, I buy it, kind of chip the same day, kind of be delivered the next day. You know, you're competing with the best. You're competing with Amazon. It's very, very difficult. Um, you may not make a huge amount of money from it, 
but but you know that's what you're up against. So there's no point in in kind of coming in with a half baked offering that that just isn't going to stack up. And John's Channel site recently secured seven million dollars in debt financing. So how will this money be used to accelerate the growth of the business? Yeah, so so really, we brought this money in to to enable us to navigate whatever comes. So we we're we didn't we didn't need the money as such, but it's it's really to navigate whatever comes over the next couple of years. And what we're also looking for now um, is is um, we're ahead of a further financing next year is M and A opportunities. So I think there's going to be a lot of very interesting technology businesses that are out there that are looking. Um, for cash and they may not be able to get it in, in over the next year or two and, uh, and and they provide an opportunity for us to, to accelerate with, with inorganic growth through, through acquisitions as well so we're, we're, we're kind of building a bit of war chest to be able to do that while also continuing to invest heavily in our own um, you know, homegrown solution And John finally, are you building this business to keep it or to sell it? Well, we're venture backed, so we have we have venture uh, venture capital partners on board, and um, so so our journey has been predestined. Uh, you know, we we will be building to um, to, to have a, a liquidity event or a sale of some sort at, at some point in the future. Uh, you know, we we have a we have an excellent board. We have brilliant brilliant investors. We've been oversubscribed for every round we've gone to market to raise money for. So we we've been able to we've been very fortunate in being able to to, to pref- select our preferred uh, investors. So. Um, so while while everybody understands that this is a, a business that we're growing to ultimately have some sort of exit event, um, my my view is that there's um, you know there's plenty of of runway left in this in this journey, and there's a huge amount of white space in the market. So we're we're certainly not in any rush. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was John Beckett from Channel Sight, and I look forward to hearing about the upward trajectory of the business as it grows within this exciting space. We're almost at closing time here now at Business Matters, but before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my production team. My guests for their contribution, and especially you as always, for listening. Join me again next Saturday morning when we'll hear more from the world of business. But until then, have a great week.